We're in Deuteronomy chapter 10, looking at verse 12. And of course, this is uh, the law of Moses. It says, Now Israel, what does the Lord require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy heart, with all thy soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's, thy God. The earth also, with all that therein is. Only the Lord has the light in thy fathers to love them. And he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is to this day. Verse 16 is probably the key to this chapter, or to this uh, um, passage. It says this, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and no more be stiff-necked. Stiff -necked. Verse 17, For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty, and a terrible, which regardeth not the persons, nor taketh reward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the day. We just ask, Lord, that um, you would open our hearts uh, for what we're about to receive from your word. We thank you for your word. Uh, that you have preserved for us. We thank you for the fact that, uh, Lord, uh, your word instructs us in every area of life. We ask now, Lord, that even in the lateness of the hour, you give us a few moments to spend in your word and to uh, maybe say a word or two of encouragement to the folks who are here at the seminary. And we ask, ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please be seated. If I'm correct... You would, have got, you would have been read uh, from the book of Micah, Micah chapter 6, verse 6 through 8, from where I first became acquainted uh, with this particular thing. What does the Lord require of you? So if you're a seminary student right now, I want to encourage you about something because when I came to the seminary uh, about 30 years ago, uh, for some reason, I don't know what the reason was, but at that time uh, there were different things that were going on. And, and I'll give you an example of two of them. Uh, when I left Jacksonville College, the semester that I left, we had to journal everything. We journaled math. Can you imagine journaling a math class? We journaled math. We journaled history. We journaled everything you could journal, we journaled it. Uh, and we had to turn in five 70-page journals at the end of the semester. I thought that was crazy. Uh, just one of those things, you know. But for some reason, uh, each of the professors wanted us to journal in Jacksonville College. When I got to the seminary, every one of the professors had a list of passages of scriptures that we were to memorize over those first 13 weeks. And you know, one of the things that you don't realize when you're a student is how short 13 weeks is. 13 weeks is not that long. But when you have to memorize 150, 200 passages of scripture uh, in 13 weeks, man, it packs it in. This was one of those passages in Matthew chapter, excuse me, in Micah chapter 6, verse 6, where it says, what does the Lord require of you? And so, I want to tell you that my seminary education began with a, a tremendous amount of memory work. Now, to add insult to injury, uh, Dr. Robert, uh, Dr. Henson was, was on, on staff at that time, and I've seen this happen from this pulpit. Uh, Brother Brian, Dr. Brian would be up here and he would 
he would stumble over a, a scripture and he would look at Dr. Henson and he'd say, what does Exodus chapter 7 verse 13 say? Just like that. Boom. It's like he had the whole Bible memorized out. And I thought that that's what they were trying to make us do that first semester. But that's okay because it worked out. It worked out well. So uh, there's a couple of things that I just want to share with you uh, this morning. And first of all, it's the Lord requires you. It's not anyone else. It's the Lord that requires you to do the things that He wants you to do. There's a code. And it's written in the Bible. And it's not a secret code. It's not the Da Vinci Code and the crazy movie The Da Vinci Code. It's not that, something like that. It's a code of life written into the Word of God. And so in the Word of God, we find these delicious passages like this one in Deuteronomy, like that one in Micah chapter 6, that simply tell us, what does the Lord require you? And He doesn't go, what do I require? You guess. That's not the way it works. He says, what do I require? And then He tells us what He requires. So here are some things that we find very quickly in verse 12. He says, number one, to fear the Lord your God. I want you to make no mistake. There were times when the Israelites were terrified of God. And if you don't believe that, just turn to Exodus chapter 19 and read about the Lord descending on Mount Sinai and how that the Bible says that there were lightnings and thunders and earthquakes and there were trumpets and the voice of the Lord. And so all of that was going on while God gave them the Ten Commandments. We usually think, you know, the Lord just... You know, he called Moses up there and said, Hey, Moses, here's these tables of stone. And I've chiseled them out for you. And here you go. It's all quiet. It's nice, you know. And, and then the children of Israel got the, 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 the uh, Ten Commandments. And then they did what they were supposed to do. None of that worked out that way. Not, not one of those things. In fact, the children of Israel were so terrified of God. They said, look, Moses, hey, man, you look, look, you, you go up the mountain. We're afraid of God. He's already told us if we touch the mountain, he's going to kill us. Or if one of our animals go up there, we have to shoot it. So we're not going up there, but you go up there. And you know what I think they were hoping? I think they were hoping that Moses would go up there and get killed. And then they could do whatever they wanted to do. Well, that's not the way that worked out either. So fear the Lord. Make no mistake. God is sometimes a terror. But sometimes he's also an awe. And we are, to, we are to hold God in both fear and awe. Now, uh, another thing that we're supposed to do is walk in His way. One of the things that, in my opinion, is most difficult to do is to walk in the way of the Lord. And the reason why is I'm a finite being and God is infinite. I cannot always know the mind of God. I can know the, God, the mind of God that He has revealed in His Word. And so in His, revert, in his Word, He has revealed to me that I'm supposed to fear Him and to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve Him, to find a way to serve Him. Now, when Jesus was asked, and sometimes we, have, we need to have a little New Testament help from the best preacher that ever, ever walked the earth, when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, I think he probably, they probably thought he would say the first commandment or the sixth commandment or the ninth commandment. That's not what he said at all. He said this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus would later demonstrate that commandment when he washed his own disciples' stinky old feet, which was a uh, uh, task that was reserved for the lowest servant. 
Now, in verse 13, we're told to keep God's commandments. Do y'all know that there are 618 commandments in the Old Testament? And so you're like this, right? You go, I'm glad I'm not an Old Testament believer. Because I'd have to worry about what I wore, what I couldn't wear, what I eat, what I couldn't eat, where I could go, where I couldn't go, you know, coming to Jerusalem three times a year, certain sacrifices I had to make, all that kind of stuff. And we go, glad I'm not an Old Testament believer because I had 618. What if I told you there were 773 commandments in the New Testament? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, there you go. And so you're, you're probably thinking, yeah, but we heard the greatest one, to love God, and the second, to love others. Yes! But there are 725 more. We just got to keep going. What does the Lord require of us? Everything, everyone belongs to the Lord. We have to understand that every Christian belongs to the Lord in this sense. In 1 Corinthians it says you were bought by a price. For a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit. We belong to God either by creation or salvation. Isn't this the reason that we follow the code? Listen, it does not matter what the name of the church door is on your church. I don't care if it's Church of Christ or, or Baptist or Assembly of God or whatever. Your first, your first duty is to follow the Word of God. Christian first, whatever else next. Alright, the Lord set us a higher standard for His people. We said that this was the uh, kind of the key to this, verse 16. Uh, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. Dr. Adam Clark in his magnificent commentary points this out. He says this, a plain proof from God himself that this precept pointed out spiritual things and it's not simply the cutting away of a part of the flesh, that the object of the divine commandment was purification of the soul without all forms and ceremonies are of no avail. If we are not saved, it doesn't matter what kind of songs we sing. If we are not saved, it doesn't matter how many times we get baptized. If we're not saved, it doesn't matter how many times we preach. If we're not saved, that's the basis of everything. God said you've got to get saved first. So there's a reason for all this. Verse 17, it says, For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. God really lets us know who He is. The Lord is your God. He is the great I Am that revealed Himself to Moses. He is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. There's a little bit of that first commandment, the first of the Ten Commandments here. No other gods before me. The God, the, this God is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who for 40 years led His children through the wilderness. I want you all to think about this for a second. Y'all know how long that, that uh, the children of Israel had been the children of Israel in the sense that they were God's very own and that He had brought them out of Egypt. You know how long they had been His special people when He gave them the Ten Commandments? Ninety days. Ninety days. And then He told them, you go to Canaan and I'm going to give you the land. You know how long it took them to get there? Forty days. And then they got there and they looked across there and there was a river and there was an obstinate wall 
And there were a bunch of big people out there and they said, uh-uh, we can't do this. We, 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 we can't do this. Well, no, you can't. But God can. God can do it all. And that's, that's what He wanted them to understand. For those 40 years, He led them with a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. He gave them manna every single day. Water when and where they needed it. Relief from their enemies. For 40 years, the children of Israel had heard about the plagues, the persistence of the Pharaoh, the parting of the Red Sea, the, peculiar, the, the peculiarities. I know I was going to have trouble with that word. I want to put it in my outline. <laughs> peculiarities of divine worship. They did not know that they were on the cusp of seeing something great. God in action. He would part the Jordan River for them. He would miraculously remove the obstinate wall of Jericho. He would plant his people in the land. He would prove over and over and over again what an awesome God he is. In summary, if you're in bondage, do what the Lord requires. They were in bondage. They did what the Lord required. God busted them out. If you find yourself standing at the Red Sea with the sea in front and the army behind, do what the Lord requires. If you're standing at the obstinate wall, do what the Lord requires. Whether in defeat or victory, do what the Lord requires.